Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Deserts of Plenty. My name is Ralph, um, and it's uh, a pleasure to have you with me once again, uh, listening to <laughs> me working through making sense of the world. You know, I um, the reason I do this podcast is for myself, because forcing myself at least once a week to come and sit down and work through my thoughts forces me to work through all my thoughts and, um, you know, not just dismiss them, but to think about them, to, to write them down, to ponder them, to ask myself, is that what I really think? Um, how do I know that's true? Or why do I believe that's true? Um, and along the way, I'm pleased to welcome you with me. Um, so today I want to talk about habits, uh, good ones and bad ones, and ways to think about changing them, you know, adopting good habits, getting rid of bad habits. And uh, I'll share with you one of the ways that I was able to, and it's not, I'm not done yet, I haven't completed the journey on it yet, but I'm very proud of, <clears throat> excuse me, how far I've come with it. So, um, the first thing I want to just mention is uh, the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. And uh, I highly recommend it read. It's an, it's an easy, quick read with a lot of very useful information. So practical stuff that you can put into practice right away. And I've certainly done that. And I'll, and I'll touch on one way that I've done that um, before I wrap up. But uh, one of the central tenets of that book is um so changing action so if you just uh picture uh, a circle or you can draw a circle on a piece of paper if you want to get a visual representation of this if you if you learn better that way um i don't but uh visual spatial is definitely a learning style and it's not mine but uh <laughs> it belongs to some people for sure uh so you have a circle and in that circle you write the word identity so that is so your identity is uh, a core principle of who you are. So a core principle of who you are might be that you are um, kind or um, that, uh, I don't know, you always feel that the world is against you, that you're unlucky. This is, a, this is an identity. And then around that, you draw a bigger circle. And that bigger circle label thoughts. And then a uh, third circle that goes around both of those two that has actions. So you have an inner circle, which is identity, a larger circle that encompasses that around it, sort of like a dartboard. Uh, the rings from the bullseye is identity around that. Um, the, the, the main part of the playing board, I guess, if you're thinking of a dartboard, would be your thoughts and then outside that outside the dartboard in the circle around that out of play uh would be actions so our identity our identity creates our thoughts and our thoughts give rise to actions so um if your identity is um well i'm just trying to think of anything at all like uh my identity is oh i am someone who takes care of himself or them oneself 
so therefore my thoughts are, oh, well, you know, I'd better, you know, uh, go to bed early. Uh, you know, I, I better get, I better get ample rest. I'm someone who takes care of myself. Therefore, I'm someone who gets a lot of rest. I um, eat a balanced diet. I exercise. I drink plenty of water. And that gives rise to your actions. You know, you go to bed at 1030. Uh, you um, make your meals at home. You drink two to three liters of water a day. So identity gives rise to your thoughts and your thoughts dictate the actions. Now, when it comes to adopting a new habit, uh, the main way most of us do that is we start on the outside and we change our actions first. So let's say the classic example is someone's New Year's Day made a New Year's resolution to get in shape. So the first thing that one tends to do is go to the gym, change their actions. And they go to the gym and they work out for an hour and they feel terrible. The next day they wake up and everything hurts. Uh, they drag their butt back a second time. It's worse. Uh, the typical range that people do this is I think they give up on the second week or the third week. It's when most people quit. And if anything, you know, they maybe they weigh themselves. They've actually gained weight. So they're feeling terrible. They're seeing no changes and so <clears throat> they abandon it it's not for me um and that's a pretty common you know um uh, series of events for people who make the new year's resolution to quote get into shape <clears throat> excuse me and end quote so uh, in the book atomic habits uh what james clear talks about is that's the wrong approach that it takes a very long time for the actions to filter through and change your thoughts, which then filter through and change your identity. And so a much more effective way to do that is to, is to stick with it long enough to change your identity away from somebody who is out of shape and is looking to get into shape into somebody who has an identity of, I am someone who is in shape or I am someone who takes care of oneself. And that will change your thoughts. So, well, yeah, well, that's great. But how do you do that? Well, his opinion and advice, and, and this is in the book, but I think he makes the case very clearly that almost none of this comes from him. It's, it's from talking to people and, and putting together what he's learned from other people. But the main point here is that, oh, well, if you want to change your behavior, you have to change your thoughts. So you have to change your thoughts away from someone who's out of shape and become someone who takes care of themselves. So, and to do that, you want to go to the gym. So on day one, you go to the gym and you stay for a minute. You get there, you get into the right clothes, you get on a treadmill, you walk for five minutes, you go over, you learn how to lift one weight, use one machine, you go home. That's it. You come back two days later, do the same thing, three times a week, do the same thing. The second week you come back, you do one more thing. You stay 1% longer. So maybe the first time you stay five minutes, maybe the second week you stay six minutes. Um, and for myself, anytime I injure myself and I, and I don't work out for a few weeks, this is what I do. I go back and I work out a short amount of time. And then over the coming weeks, I get a little bit longer. So what this does is over time, 
the action of going to the gym changes your thoughts. Oh, it's time to go to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym. And then eventually that will filter through and will change your identity. Your identity will become someone who goes to the gym. I go to the gym. Yes, I do. I don't just have a gym membership that I never use. I go to the gym. Now, you know, and then over time, once you become, once that becomes part of your identity, I am someone who goes to the gym. I am someone who, you know, walks 8,000 or 10,000 steps a day. I am someone who does these things. Then it becomes part of your thoughts and it becomes more automatic. It becomes a habit. And like all habits, good or bad, they become hard to shake. I, I've been going to the gym now like almost 15 years and it's just part of who I am. I don't, if, if, if I don't go to the gym, which happens when I get injured or sick or it happened when my daughter was born, I, I quit the gym for a year. So that was about a decade ago. I quit the gym for almost a year. I just didn't have time. Um, I feel miserable. I miss it. I The endorphins that you get from working out or I get from working out, it, it seems apocryphal. Well, not apocryphal. It seems from the way people talk about it that uh, they get um, a rush from going to the gym. Uh, endorphins. In fact, I've never, and I've asked other people about this, I've never gone to the gym, even feeling crappy, tired, maybe hungover. I've never gone to the gym, walked out and went, boy, I wish I hadn't done that. You know, the way I do, if I stay up a little late watching Netflix or have one extra drink or, you know, one extra piece of pie, you know, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I never feel that way about the gym. Anyway, so that's one way to think about changing a habit rather than going full, you know, bore and, and basically setting yourself up to fail like most people do. And the same thing happens, you know, with so many things like people who want to go on diets and lose weight. Well, they go on a diet, a restrictive diet. They, they don't eat the things they like. They feel terrible and they give up. And they're like, oh, it's not for me. I'm not motivated enough. And that is that to me is the fundamental flaw in the logic here of, of motivation. Motivation doesn't come before change, like before you see evidence of change. It comes after. Um, and so, you know, my story here with so you can do the same thing with with quitting a bad habit. And my story with this is, um, you know, I've always I've always enjoyed drinking. I've always enjoyed beer, especially nice wines um you know i've i well i started drinking as a child basically uh going down into my dad's liquor cabinet and drinking because it was fun and um just to be you know naughty anyway as i grew up i always drank um and when the pandemic started i was one of those people who was like, is it six o'clock yet? Is it six o'clock yet? And I would drink and I, and I, and I drank, my drinking went up a lot where it was very easy for me to have, you know, five or six tall cans of beer a day and go to bed most nights, a little tipsy. Um, anyway, I, knew that had to change i wanted it desperately to change but i just couldn't you know i i you know the things about addiction is it bypasses your frontal cortex it's just you know if addiction was easy to quit everybody would do it 
Um, but it's not because the process of deciding, you know, whether to disengage from your addiction or doing it doesn't even go through the rational thinking part of your brain. It bypasses it entirely. And so it's, uh, it's not a conscious choice. You just do it. And then our brains will give us lots of reasons as to why it's okay. Anyway, I wanted to change that and knew there was no way I could just by desiring to do it. So what I did is I would start on Monday and I would collect and I had a place in my kitchen where um, I would stack all the cans. So on Sunday night, I would look and I would count the cans that were empty, all the drinks that I had consumed that week. Remember, this was the pandemic, so I was only drinking at home. Uh, and so I could see a visual record of it. And that was the first thing that kind of like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. Um, and then from there, it became easier to see like the motivate, you know, when I started to cut that number down. And as that number started to come down, then I started getting motivated towards, really motivated towards cutting that down. And so my first step was to have one night a week, Mondays, where I wasn't going to drink. And and I'll tell you, the first few Mondays were hard. Uh, and then I probably drank too much on Tuesdays. And then eventually over time, well, Tuesdays. And I would have Monday, Tuesday every week. And then it was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And then it was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, and that's where I am now. Uh, I, I limit alcohol consumption to three days a week. And most often now that's two days a week because on the weekends I have my daughter. I don't, I don't drink and I'm drinking less. So I went from drinking about six tall cans a day, uh, which is about, I think, you know, about eight standard drinks per day. Way, way. I mean, in a day I was drinking more than the recommended per, per week. Um, and then um, I got that down to about three standard drinks per day, which is... Uh, where I was just a little while ago. And then another thing happened is I started tracking some of my health metrics. And one of the ones I track is my uric acid level. And uric acid uh, usually is associated with gout, but it also has other um, health-related um, issues surrounding it, including high blood pressure. Um, so I started tracking my uric acid and um, it was fairly high. It was higher than the recommended level. Um, and so I kept tracking it. And then independently, as my alcohol consumption went down below two drinks per day, I noticed a steep decline in my uric acid concentration. And when I saw that, well, now I feel much more motivated to stop drinking even more. So motivation doesn't come before change. Motivation comes after change. So again, to go back to changing habits, it's, it's really setting oneself up for failure to start by changing actions 
and letting that lead through. It does work in certain cases, but you know, research shows that when it comes to like losing weight, the vast majority of people who lose weight will gain it back. You know, once the they take their foot off the gas and they go, they revert back to their defaults. The weight comes back on. I think there was a, a study of people who were on that show, The Biggest Loser, and uh, I think one study. Um, again, I'm going to get this wrong, but I believe there's only one person who managed to keep the weight off, and uh, that one person uh, was someone who started. They had an exercise routine. And they got hooked on exercise, hooked on exercise because they changed their identity. Their identity became someone. I am someone who works out. I am someone who takes care of oneself or I am someone who does activities to uh, extend my health span. Right. So, yeah. So I would recommend James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, uh, for that. There's also other really actionable stuff, including the idea of 1% better. You know, we can all get 1% better. And I, I again, I, I, uh, y you know, I'm, I'm, my house is pretty clean, but it's not perfect. And uh, I always like, ugh, you know, the, the time it takes to go and clean my daughter's room, I would often fail to do that. Uh, but what I did is I, I, I started by setting myself a timer of five minutes. And I would go in and I would clean her room for five minutes. Anybody can do five minutes. And then the next day, I got 1% longer. And the thing about doing something 1% better, if you do something 1% better every day, in a year, you'll be 37 times better. <laughs> like, that's the idea of compound interest. It's small changes plus a lot of time equal big changes. And that goes back to this whole idea of going to the gym. Just go to the gym. Stay two minutes. Really. And then leave. Just get in the habit of going. Go to the gym, leave, go to the gym, leave, go to the gym, leave, go to the gym, leave. Stay two minutes, set a timer, do 1% longer the next time. Two minutes, that's 120 seconds, 1% better. That's like 121 seconds, right? And then 122. You know, you can stay 1% longer. And, uh, and, and, and that small change, like if you, again, if you went to the gym for 120 seconds, and you went every day, I'm not suggesting you go to the gym every day, although I almost do now, um, and you got 1% better. So that two minutes at the end of the year would be 37 times as much. Uh, so you would be doing you know, 70, 74 minutes, uh, which is about, so in one year, you could go from not being in the gym to working out as much as you know pretty fit people anyway that's my thing for today i uh, hope you enjoyed this episode as always please send me any questions comments love to read them ralph at socap.ca socap as in peter.ca thanks everybody have a great rest of your week bye